Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on here with you guys. Got a fun little episode for you today. Um, good buddy of mine, Seth Simpson, is coming on for this episode. You might know Seth from a few different places. Um, Instagram, uh, his handle Seth Simpson 208 uh, He does a lot of decoy dog work. Um, he's actually a dog trainer uh, by trade. Um, but also does just a ton of thermal hunting and, and coyote killing in general. So we're going to talk about uh, a lot of that. Also, you may have uh, watched one of our earlier episodes of The Last Stand this season when we were out in Idaho. Uh, Seth hunted with us for a couple days, and he actually caught a badger, live badger, by hand. So I'm sure we'll uh, visit a little bit a little bit about that as well. But uh, uh, before I get going into this episode, I want to thank uh, this sponsor of this episode, which is Lucky Duck Predator Calls. Um you know, I wish we could do this without sponsors, but this stuff takes time and money. And, you know, in order for me to bring you guys this content, uh, you know, throughout the year, you know, it takes that sponsorship money. So um, I want to really thank, you know, not only Lucky Duck, but uh, Sig Sour Optics, Swagger Bipods, um, and, and Eastman's for putting this all together. But, you know, if you know me, if, if you follow me, uh, you know Lucky Duck Predator Calls is what I use. Um, I'm real excited about the new Super Revolt especially now that we're getting into the, the later part of the season. I'm recording this the first part of January. Um, who knows when you're actually listening to it. But, you know, we're right on that front edge of breeding season. Um, and, you know, this new Super Revolt has pretty much every bell and whistle that, uh, you know, Lucky Duck has ever had on a call, and it's all on this call. Um, but really the, the new thing that I'm excited about is the ability to play two sounds at once. So, you know, when we get into this breeding season, I'm going to, you know, have the ability to play m- you know, multiple howls at the same time, maybe mix in a howl with some, some breeding sounds at the same time, maybe play two coyote fights at the same time. So I'm excited to test out some, some formulas and some recipes and see if I can find maybe that, uh, that secret sound by mixing, being able to mix two sounds at once. But uh, anyway, I'll keep you guys filled in on some future uh, podcasts here on how that's going. But uh, either way, I uh, want to thank Lucky Duck Predator Calls for sponsoring this episode. Well, Seth, great to have you on the show, man. It's uh, it's been a long time coming. We've hunted together a couple times already this season. We've been talking about this, but uh, we finally made it happen. Good to be here. So, I think the first thing I want to get into right off the bat is for anybody that's that's a fan of the Last Stand and watched the Last Stand. I was up in Idaho filming with you and Rusty back in October, and uh, so so if you go to the Last Stand, you'll see season four, episode two. You get to watch Seth catch a badger by hand so <laughs> yes, i got a ton, I got right a ton of questions about that about how crazy is this sob and oh my god <laughs> i'd never do that so, so walk me through that well walk me through catching badgers a badger are by so hand. they're very unathletic you know they're really good at digging but they can't maneuver themselves around very well uh they're really slow and they definitely can't jump so it's really easy if you just stick your foot out, you know, you can kind of get it to bite the sole of your boot. And in that video, that's what you see me do. And I reach down and grab by the tail again. Once you get them by the tail, they can't turn around and come back up on you. In uh, that particular time, I had him by the tail and he had me by the foot for a second there. Uh, I guess you don't want to trip and fall in that situation. <laughs> that would have been a first. But yeah, they're, uh, there's very they can't get around very good um the other misconception with them is that they're wanting to get you and they really aren't they just know that they can't run away so they kind of turn around and kind of bluff charge you but again the video you saw i threw him down he got right out of there uh they just want to mind their own business they're cool though i really like badgers yeah badgers are pretty cool i mean their tails aren't very long i mean did you even have a full handful of grip on that tail um Hold on. Uh, yeah, their their tails are probably a good six inches. Uh, you know, especially a big one like that. That was a big one. So, <laughs> you know, they've got a they've got a stout tail. <laughs> I was impressed. You you and Rusty. So we're you know, to, if you didn't see the episode, we're driving and maybe a little backstory on that episode. We're just driving down the two track, going from the one coyote stand to the next. And you guys, I wasn't even paying attention. You guys yell badger and. Before I could hardly even get the truck stop, you both are out of the truck running. I think Rusty was wanting to shoot it. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. you had it made up, your mind made up that you were going to catch it. It took you about a, I don't think Badger maybe had a 50, 60 yard head start through the sagebrush, but it was a sprint up the hill, yeah. but you finally bait him up. It was just uh, like he knew he was, he was caught. He turned around and faced you and it was <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, he turned around 
and uh and faced me yeah um no i'm always used to chasing after my dogs when they're chasing after a coyote so run through the sagebrush comes natural yeah and you guys have a ton of badgers up in idaho i you know i was seems like everywhere we'd look we'd see badger holes and i know you were telling me you get you run into badgers all the time yeah there's one particular area real close to my house i read something one time where they say that uh we have the highest the densest badger population uh in the u.s and i think it's because we have so many ground squirrels especially in this one particular stretch of desert uh the badgers just do really well but their population really fluctuates because the ground squirrel population really fluctuates so some you know and every five years it seems it's kind of changing and goes high and low and sometimes some years we'll see tons of them you know we'll see 25 30 a night easy sometimes even more and then uh, other times you won't see a whole lot but they're always around now are they considered in idaho are they considered a fur bear or are they just kind of a, a nuisance like a coyote yes that you they are around or? nope they are considered a, a fur bear actually uh, uh in some states like we were saying earlier in kansas raccoons are considered a fur bear uh and here in in idaho they aren't but uh badgers are are fur bears so they are under different rules than a coyote gotcha but there's a they're on like a year-round season and uh there's not a whole lot of rules involving them it's just their classification yeah that is that is weird you know i know you hunt quite a few different states you know especially up in that western part of the united states and i hunt a lot and yeah it's weird every state i wish they could all be on the same page as far as what's a fur bears what's not because it does get confusing. Right. It's interesting because I think, I don't know if it's a money thing or if it's like a population conservancy idea. Uh, but like a raccoon is such a destructive animal with the fact that their fur is absolutely worthless nowadays. There should be incentive or at least it should be easy for someone to go uh, and, and hunt them. Like out there in the Midwest, there's so many raccoons. You know, everyone could be hunting them. And they're going to do nothing but help the birds and the turkeys. But when it costs you $200 to go shoot a raccoon, no one's going to be motivated to, to do that, even if they have the opportunity. Um, it would be nice if everyone got on the same page with what's what, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, when I go to Bricks to, in Kansas, to sh and we want to film a raccoon episode in the daytime because we can't shoot them with thermals at night, just coyotes only. But, yeah, it's kind of, I think it cost me $260. Right, that's so weird. Like thermal, you, you can't thermal raccoons. That would be the most effective way to control them. And they don't oh, work. yeah. Yeah, we were seeing, yeah, I bet you we saw 20 or 30 a night. And that was just when we were on a coyote stand, just scanning the edges of the fields and the tree lines, you know, and stuff and seeing them. Yeah, I mean, they were they were everywhere. And I may be wrong, but I'm almost positive that raccoons are non-native species to the Midwest. Uh, I think they're a very Eastern animal historically. And because of they do so well with people and people have planted so many trees in the Midwest and the prairie that they've expanded and they're now everywhere. I think they're in all 50 States except Hawaii. That makes sense. <laughs> they are they're like, a, they're like a little coyote. <laughs> now, now back to the badger. I mean, what's the, you know, since you guys have so many, you know, badgers in Idaho, what's the general consensus with farmers and ranchers? I mean, do they totally hate badgers because of the holes or are they well, kind of like them because they're getting rid of the rodents? They, there's so many of them. Uh, at times that you know they're just kind of no one really likes them uh digging in the hay fields and the ag fields especially you know livestock break their legs off in them from time to time uh, and they can really tear up the ground um you know it, you they do have a purpose though i mean as they're you know, they're controlling the rodent population and as they till up the ground they're like little tractors out there you know they're good for the for the rangeland especially uh, not so much the hay field, but they're really good for the, for the rangeland. Um, you know, they don't have any, they don't prey on livestock. They won't get in your chicken coop. Uh, but the only thing they do is big, big holes. So some people don't like them for that. Uh, and I can understand those situations. Uh, if you don't have a hay field to dig in, and most people don't mind them and think they're pretty cool. Makes a lot of sense. So when, when, you know, when was the first time you ever got this wild hair decide that you were going to try to catch a badger by hand? Cause obviously that was not your first time. Uh, I know, I know that, but yeah, I've done it a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to think, uh, I guess when I first started getting, I first had dogs that were, you know, catching a badger, 
on the ground and, and keeping it in one spot, keeping it from going down its hole. Uh, kind of watching him, you know, the dogs I had didn't, wouldn't bite the badger because when they did bite the badger, the thing about a badger is they're not very agile, but a dog, you know, 99% of dogs really can't do much to a badger because they're so stout. The dog gets a hold of the badger. They can kind of roll around in their, in their hide and just have a lot of loose skin and, and the dog gets a mouthful of skin. The badger can always turn around and bite the dog. So most dogs learn not to just dive in the middle of the badger. And the most they'll do is just kind of bay it and, and bark it uh, real close. And then figured out, you know, these badgers are very unagile and you can just reach down and grab them by the tail. And did a couple of times. And the only time I've had a bad experience with a badger <laughs> is a couple of times I did it, got them by the tail. And then, you know, they have all this loose extra skin. They have a big scruff. You can reach down and grab them by the scruff of their neck and again lift them up and it's like holding a kitten but they're even less agile than the the kitten they can't turn on you you just compared well, a badger are... to a kitten <laughs> the concept of holding <laughs> yeah, by the there scruff you go the concept yeah um so i get my dogs have this badger in the field and they're you know barking at it not not biting it by any means and uh it was this really tall uncut hay fields it's probably knee high so I walked right up to the badger of the dogs and I went to, it was a big badger. I reached down to grab him by the scruff of the neck. And when I grabbed him, this one did not have a scruff. He was solid muscle and I had his head pinned down, but in, you know, I was trying to get a handful and there was no, nothing, nothing was giving. So then I tried to pull my hand away uh, fast enough that he didn't bite me. And he whipped around and bit my wrist oh, as I was jerking away. So the so my you know inertia continued to to pull away and lift him off the ground, and he hung on my wrist for you know about till he hit, got about my waist high, and then he let go and dropped back to the ground. But I had a buddy there with me, and he laughs his butt off every time <laughs> uh, we talk about that story because the mental image of me flinging this big badger. Uh, off my wrist and so I had <laughs> punctures from that and it looked swelled up and looked bad but I did not get rabies and I did not get gangrene and I did never try to grab the badger by the scruff of the neck again so the tail is the move <laughs> <laughs> I think the first time you know there was a vi there was kind of a viral video and I don't know this was maybe eight ten years ago and I remember some guy ran one down and he had a little blanket you know, and he had, he had a dog crate and he so threw that's the my buddy. Yeah. Was so that you or your buddy? buddy and, and he caught no, no, it and no, threw no, it in the dog me, crate. Like, yeah. That's my good buddy, Neil Hunt. And, uh, he is the guy who kind of gave me the idea to, cause it's funny how easily he's like me and will do something like that and not think anything of it. Like he has a real viral video of him catching a rattlesnake and, uh, and whipping it like a towel. <laughs> I think if you YouTube hit and it's like rattlesnake off. whip it like towel, it pops up. Um, and it's so funny how fast you can go viral with a, a video like that because no one's grabbing a rattlesnake or a badger uh, or doing that. But yeah, he he grabbed that badger with the blanket and threw it in the dump crate and took it somewhere else and let it go. Um, <laughs> but that that's what kind of also gave me the idea uh when my dogs died, i said oh neil got that one with the towel i'm gonna try to get this one by the tail and send him a, a video of it but yeah it's funny so if you know i've called in a handful of bat just setting up on a random coyote stand and just a badger comes rolling in i'm sure you probably call in quite a so few that's it. Or interestingly not enough for as many badges as we have especially situations uh like when i first got into coyote hunting at night with lights, uh, there was, we would definitely, if we saw a badger, we'd always spend time hunting it, trying to, to call it in. Um, and I can probably think of maybe 10 times in Idaho out of, you know, hundreds of times where there's been a badger on a stand where the badgers actually come in. They always hear, just sit there and look at you. And you know, the most they'll do is just hang out and, and listen to the call for a while. And I don't know if it's because there's so much more food here for them, but they aren't motivated to go and and find that. Whereas like desolate Wyoming, <laughs> where there's not much yeah, to eat, yeah. they hear that. 
they're just always a little more hungry. Uh, but yeah, I've never had a whole lot of luck calling them in here in Idaho. Whereas I see uh, you guys over in the Midwest doing it a lot more often. Yeah, every you know, it's just and it's just random. It, to me, it's like Bobcat call, you know, calling in a Bobcat. It just happens to be the, right. the badger of the Bobcats yeah, close right within spot. two or three hundred yards right before we start calling and right you know, here they here they come rolling mm-hmm. in, you know. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty wild always exciting you never know when you're out there hunting coyotes the kind of crazy stuff you you run yeah, into yeah there's all, all the sorts of predators out there the foxes the bobcats badgers and coons that's kind of fun for me especially with the dogs because uh you know badgers and raccoons and uh all that stuff is is fair game most of the time so i'm i we don't have very many raccoons over here compared to you guys so if we see a raccoon out there it becomes a raccoon hunt immediately so, so you've talked about dogs a little bit. Let's kind of get into your background on dog. You know, I, for, for people that don't know, you do a, a ton of decoy dogging. You're a dog trainer mm-hmm. by trade. That's, that's your real job, I guess, if you want to call it that, you know, um, yeah. not just yeah. decoy dogging, dog training of all types, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah mostly yeah. like obedience training for pets and then uh, retriever training for like waterfowl hunting dogs. Um, and then the, the decoy dogging stuff, I would say it's more of uh, my hobby uh sometimes it pays for itself with the with the dogs that's kind of my my goal there's not uh very much money to be made selling cow hunting dogs like there is training dogs or, or selling purebred dogs but uh it is a lot more uh I, I enjoy those type of dogs all my dogs are mutts all my hunting dogs um but they're my favorite type of dogs so very purpose bred and i have some really good friends that i've met through the dogs that uh are breeding similar types of, of dogs as me um but yeah that's definitely uh more than a hobby almost a, a lifestyle when you have a whole bunch of dogs like i do it's a full-time job yeah i've definitely noticed that you know you guys that run i, I mean i i don't have i have a french bulldog but it's not you know <laughs> coyote dog by any stretch you know but you guys that have dogs it's, yeah it's like you uh i guess it's just probably like the waterfowl guys you know you you're almost going waterfowl hunting, not so much to shoot a bunch of ducks and geese. You're more yeah, to watch your dog sure. work and, and see your reward mm-hmm. pay off of, of all the time you spent working and with that's, your dog. That's kind of what I try to explain to people and people really understand when they go with me. Because I have some buddies that, you know, don't coyote hunt quite as much as me, um, but they do love to coyote hunt and they get, you know, they're blood for, bloodthirsty. If, they, if there's a coyote out there, you know, they want to make sure that that coyote gets killed. When I'm calling in a coyote with my dogs, uh, you know i'm slow to to shoot it because i'm looking for you know that dog coyote interaction and that's the the cool part to to me over anything else um and then you know the only time i don't hunt with my dogs is really the only two contests i do is the contest with you and the contest with rusty uh and then every other day of the year that i'm hunting i always have my my dogs along so they're just kind of part of the whole experience to me so when you're when you're training these dogs specifically for coyote decoy decoying i mean what are you looking for i mean how do you what what kind of what makes a good decoy dog so yeah that's a pretty common question and it's uh detailed but it's also simple and the simple answer is you know any dog can be a coyote dog because i've found that you know some of the time depending on certain times of the year just having a dog present is going to benefit you uh, on a stand and also in the you know the times of the year where a dog isn't going to benefit you on a stand it will potentially benefit you in finding a wounded coyote you know even if you have your dog along and you're out all day calling in the winter and you wound that one that has a long blood trail and you're you know without a dog you're hiking after it finally it can't quite catch up where a dog can run out ahead and, and get that coyote stopped for you to, to catch up to so there's always a time to me, there's always a time where a dog can be beneficial and, uh, you know, they can be useful at, at certain, certain times, different things. Um, when in particular, you know, I, I have the high expectations for what I want the, the dogs to be able to, to, to do. And there's different traits that I look for. Uh, I want the dogs that are really good about using their nose and, and being able to track a kayak you know intelligent enough to you know be around lots of other dogs and people you know here at my house I've got all these 
you know, essentially to the dogs, strange people, strange dogs coming and going. You have to be friendly and smart enough to interpret different scenarios when it's time to hunt and, you know, go wild and when it's time to really turn it off and, and chill out. Um, I like dogs that uh, have some, some grit, you know, when they run that wounded coyote down uh, and the coyote turns back and, you know, kind of comes at them to, to stick with it and, and not necessarily kill the coyote, but just hold it in that spot for you to catch up and, and shoot it again. Uh, some of my dogs will kill a coyote outright. Uh, some of them won't. Um, so that, that can vary a little bit, but, uh, it also seems like everyone gets along with different types of dogs. Everyone has different hunting styles. Some people hunt more than others. Uh, some people live on a big ranch and some people live in a neighborhood. So it can really vary on what type of dog fits, uh, each particular person. So for, for the guys that have maybe never watched a, a decoy dog stand on YouTube or have never been part of that, I mean, lay out a, a typical decoy dog stand. I mean, do you still start calling like you normally would and your dogs are just out running around until the coyotes and the dogs notice each other or, or how's all that work? Yeah, again, there's a, a simple answer and a complicated answer. The simple answer is you're basically hunting the same way you would without a dog because you're calling these coyotes into the, to the dogs. Uh, depending on the type of dogs you have, the way they hunt and how good they are, you can change the strategy up a little bit. Uh, myself in particular, uh, I have some dogs that are really good at going to uh, howling coyotes. So if I'm hunting during the uh, breeding season or the denning season where coyotes are you know, very aggressive and, and responsive to, to howls, um, whereas where something they perceive as another coyote entering their territory, you know, I can go and, and hunt and make stands where I'm hearing coyotes howl. I can send the dogs ahead of me uh, to go a distance and engage those coyotes and either close the distance to the dogs or if the coyotes are aggressive enough to follow the dogs back to me. Um, I would say with, with my dogs, that's really a, my, my go-to strategy. Uh, unless it's a situation where I've been hunting this area, you know, in the years past, and I kind of know historically where the coyotes like to den, and I can just quietly move into that area and open my stand, sitting where I want to sit and anticipating where I think those coyotes are going to, to come from. Um, but just definitely trying to, to maximize the, the dogs. Um, on the other hand, a person who has a dog that doesn't really range out and go to coyotes, they might hunt uh, very much like they would any other time of the year. And when they go in on their, their stand, they're, if they're making a blind stand, uh, you know, they're going to open the stand as they sit down in the spot they want to call from and, and try to call coyotes into their dogs. Now, when you're in that, and I just want to cut. So when we talk about decoy dogging season, you know, like you said, there's a particular time when it works probably a lot better than other times, correct? For you know, sure. That, that for spring, sure. late, you know, late spring, early summer, when the coyotes are denned up, they're the, the older the coyotes, you know, not every coyote's denned up, but the ones that are that have litter of pups, they're just more territorial. Yep, exactly. They got that when area the locked down there. Yeah, when the pups are kind of just coming out of the den, traveling around a little bit, the coyotes are very protective and almost paranoid of where of keeping track of all their pups. So, you know, that's definitely the hottest time of the year where, you know, you're gonna get the the best action, the most consistent action on your stands. Um, you know, breeding coyotes get pretty territorial and aggressive. You can get some action there. Uh, in the wintertime, some coyotes are just hungry and a pack of coyotes wants to curiously follow a dog, feeling them out to see if they could, uh, you know, eat them. Um, you know, it's the slowest time of the year is going to be the late, late summer and throughout the fall when the coyotes are just interested in eating and getting fat for the winter. They aren't looking to fight or get into any crap. They and that's got to do a lot with the dynamic, you know, on this po I, on a podcast, one of the first couple I did, I talked about like the life cycle of a coyote and that early spring month, oh, you know, sure. upwards of 50, You're 70% so... of the coyote population are these young pup coyotes that are only like four, five, six months old at the time. So obviously you got a young pup coyote that's running around out there and sees your dog. Most of those coyotes probably mm -hmm. run off, don't they, at that time of year? For sure. Yeah. Like every, I would say every two to three weeks throughout the year, things are changing a little bit in that those coyotes routine and the way they're living their, their life. Uh, and being kind of in tune to that and thinking about that as you're hunting, 
really helps your success because you're going to get uh, times of the year when, the, then the, like for example, when the pups are too young to leave the den, it's kind of the hunting's a little bit slow because you have to be right on top of the den to really get much action. The adults aren't willing to travel a long ways versus uh, when the pups start to disperse a little bit and they get more and more mobile and start traveling, then the adult coyotes will come a long ways to the call. And then, you know, as those pups start to be more independent and living on their own, the adults become uh, less and less motivated to worry about them, feed them. You know, those coyotes aren't going to respond to uh, a dog at all or even think about engaging. And they aren't going to even through the winters. They're going through their first winter. They're low on the totem pole. Uh, they're getting beat up by all the other coyotes. They're not looking to get into any crap with coyotes or dogs um you know they aren't even gonna give a dog a second look so there's gonna be coyotes that will be curious about the dog or interested and some that aren't at all so i I just thought of something interesting you know i've talked a lot about a aggression scale in the sounds that you play i've talked about this Mm -hmm. in previous podcasts and things like that you essentially just talked about an aggression scale when it comes to decoy dogging and, and the coyotes become more aggressive at certain times of the years you know, during the course of the season. And that really plays into the sound. You, you know, if you're not a decoy dogger and you're listening to this episode and saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to decoy dog, but how can I get some information out of this? You know, the, the times we talked about when maybe the decoy dogging is the best because a higher portion or higher percentage of the coyote population is more aggressive is high, yeah. at that point, you know, now you can actually use maybe more aggressive type sounds like the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the vocals and, and the coyote fights and the breeding sounds and stuff like that versus earlier in the season when you have a higher percentage of kind of wuss little sissy yeah, coyotes, you yes. know, Hey, you know, maybe let's keep it on the, the low end of the aggression. Scale you can think of like some really crazy. aggressive, some aggressive sounds would be like, be like kryptonite would be a super crazy sound. Yeah, kryptonite fight club, a uh, breeding you know, battle, you know? Mm-hmm. And then on the lower end of things, you got those lighter pup distresses that are a little more whiny, a little softer that might pull in a softer coyote out of curiosity. Uh, you know, kryptonite is only going to pull the meanest, baddest coyotes of the bunch out there to come rocking in. Um, so that's definitely something I think about all throughout the, the year and throughout the breeding and the, the denning seasons. That's, that's interesting. You know, yeah, it's amazing how it all kind of intertwines together, you know, if you really think about mm-hmm. it. Yep. There's so lifestyles typical- just uh, changing year to year throughout the year so on a typical stand so once once you're the coyote engages with your dog or a pair of coyotes or three coyotes or whatever it is or your multiple dogs you got running around do you kill the call at that point or you still have the call running or or how's that all unfold once once so once once the coyotes and the dogs yeah once they get together um i like to to shut the call off because i find that you know the dogs are really holding the the coyotes attention and as the dogs and the coyotes kind of drift away, I can call the dogs back and, and hit the call and pull the coyotes back close um, and, and control things a little bit as I turn the call on and off. Um, I think that, in my opinion, if I run the call the whole time, the coyotes kind of get used to it. Um, I find that switching the sounds up as the stand is progressing and the coyotes are chasing the dogs around kind of keeps things uh switched up and keeps the coyotes really engaged and, and interested um but yeah i do turn it on an awful lot that's interesting you know do your do your decoy dog and stands typically are they are they longer or are you are you knocking out stands just like we normally do in a you know 8 12 15 minute kind of stands or are you sitting there a little bit longer or how's that usually depends in those good prime decoy dog and times yeah it depends on the time of, of year there's certain times you uh, feel like coyotes are not going to travel a long distance and it's either going to happen quick or or not at all um and i think that's when the coyotes are or when the pups are inside the dens very young the first couple weeks you know if you get really close to the den you're going to have some great action but if you're a half mile away or sometimes even closer than that you know you see the coyotes sitting there in the binoculars and you know they see the dogs running around they hear the call and they just aren't interested um so during I'm keeping things pretty short and sweet on the stands during later times of the, the year as those pups are starting to you know, really travel around throughout the day and night and hunting on their own. I'll sit on a stand longer and uh, knowing that the, the adult then the adult pair could possibly travel a really long ways 
uh, if I have the call cranked up and the sound is carrying, uh, that's when I'll spend a little bit longer. Makes sense. Makes sense. So strategy wise, I mean, there's two ways to look at decoy dogging. I mean, obviously government trappers were probably some of the original guys to probably use decoy yeah. dogging, correct? If you look back at the history mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, as yep, an effective exactly. way, you know, you got to look at the mindset of a government trapper, you know, they're, they're out there to eradicate coyotes, right? And and that's one of the most effective strategies when the coyotes have dens and, and their, their a strategy is this, if I can kill off a, an adult pair of coyotes with some small coyote pups in the den, I might not only kill two coyotes, I might kill the entire family, you know, six, eight, you know, whatever. And as a government trapper, they're doing your job. Now, obviously, exactly. in this day and age, you know, you're not a government trapper. You're, you know, as much as people think we totally hate coyotes, we actually are pretty fascinated. We want, by coyotes. We want there to be lots of coyotes. We want there right? to be lots. So you're, you're not out there to try to eradicate every coyote. So what's your mindset when you're out there in the spring knowing that, you know, you're still wanting coyotes to hunt throughout the fall and winter? And, you know, is there a certain strategy you use when, when you have a pair of coyotes come in? Do you think, okay, maybe I'm just going to kill the male so the female can go back? Um, or you just, hey, sometimes you don't even shoot at all. You just want the dogs to work. I mean, what what's kind of your mindset when you're when you're out there in those spring and summer months and you know those coyotes and possibly have a den of pups? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I have a, a good buddy uh, whose dad is a government trapper and he's does some private stuff himself but he likes to decoy dogs is so effective but hunting with him like he'll come over and hunt with me and you know the coyote comes in and starts working and he's immediately like why not shooting it because i'll sit there for you know sometimes (laughs) we'll sit there for 20 or 30 minutes and the coyotes and the dogs will be gassed out laying in the shade looking at each other because they went for so long uh and that's you know that's what we're here for and you'll see in some of the videos that are out there on youtube like uh like Colton has some videos where they're long, uh, 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, the cows just stand there barking. You could have shot, shoot them a million times, but it's just, it's cool to us to just have that coyote right there barking and we can sit there and watch it all day long. Um, so as far as when I kill the cows, you're right. It does depend on where I'm at because there are some places where, you know, coyotes, it seems will, go back and den in the same dens the same general area year to year even if it's different coyotes they just they they know what the good spots are and they find little dens so i would say most of the time uh i'm definitely not interested in killing all the coyotes that we're calling because you're typically calling two three maybe even four coyotes and if you play it right and shoot the right coyotes one at a time uh and you're a good shot you can clean up the whole pack of them right there. Um, I usually, the dogs are working hard and they know what uh, they're doing and, and what's to come. So it's a good reward for them to get to chew on a coyote after they chase them around for all that time. So I typically will kill uh, the big male uh, and let that female leave, knowing that possibly if she survives the, the winter, uh, I can come back to that same stand she'll have found a new male, brought him back, and they'll be, you know, denned up in that same spot. Um, sometimes if I'm out, you know, in a far off spot and, you know, I'm out on a, a trip, not one of my my honey holes, you know, it's fun to be able to kill a, a quad or a, a, a triple uh, over, the, over your dogs. And there's plenty of times where I'm trying to see if I can get them all. Um, also, there's some places that I go year to year, uh, either little private spots, that no one else really hunts besides me where I know if I don't shoot them, they're probably not going to get shot. Uh, and I'll go in there and, and bring a, a couple young pups and an older dog. And I can go into that area maybe two times in a spring and summer and know that I'm going to be able to expose some young puppies who are out on their first couple of times, be able to get them on a, a good decoy experience. Um, and I won't necessarily try to shoot those because, uh, really the dog doesn't learn from chewing on the dead coyote they learn from chasing around and following the big dogs back and forth that's really what what teaches them the most so uh for me uh you know i'm not really getting getting paid to kill them in the spring their their fur isn't worth anything so killing them for me isn't uh the the main goal it's definitely the dog work makes a lot of sense now so you know, training wise, it's it's probably just like a lot about becoming a good coyote hunter, getting lots of coyotes in front of you. 
you know, being a good decoy dog is no different. You just got to put lots of coyotes in front of these dogs. I mean, is that, that's just yeah, how exactly. these dogs People eat good. Asking, like, how do you train a, a decoy dog? And there's really no training involved. It's just, if, if you like to coyote hunt and you're, and you're decent at calling in coyotes, you'll be able to, to do it because it's just the, basically the same concept calling in coyotes. The dog is going to, there's not, there's, isn't any artificial scenarios that you can set up for uh, a puppy to learn so basically the the best way is to learn from an older dog that kind of shows the way but uh some of the best decoy dogs out there have been made, made without help of an older and they just naturally picked it up and and to some dogs it's just kind of a natural thing they, the coyotes are so fast that the dog never really even has a chance to catch one so they learn on their own early on that waste of time to chase them uh because they're just but when the dog turns back and comes back to you uh the right coyotes are going to turn back and follow um the dog leads them back and they get shot and a smart dog kind of says okay that's the that's, that's the, the game yeah yeah and, uh <laughs> and they'll start working on it some of those videos you see on on youtube my my favorite ones are where the dogs seem to know what's going on they're looking back at the at the owner, you know, excited for the shot, <laughs> knowing that the, <laughs> yeah, got the coyote close. Those, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, sometimes the dogs really do know what's going on. Well, I know one of these years we're going to have to do it. You know, I talked to Rick about this when we were out in Kansas last week filming about, you know, I'm going to have to get out of my normal work schedule in the summer at some point. It'd be fun for us to go film a, uh, some decoy dog and stuff for a couple days. Um, we should go last do it. Stand because it is pretty, pretty wild. Yeah go hit some of that desert stuff like uh we've hunted in that contest tried different time of the year and uh pretty scenery and there's just unlimited places to to go out there i always have good luck out there in the spring and the summer um all that all that stuff along that canyon and both sides you know what always amazed me when i watch you know i've i've never been decoy dog and i i went once with colton gillum um and the boys but we didn't we didn't call anything in that morning um but you know what I've seen on, you know, watching different video clips and things like that is just how enthralled the coyotes get on, you know, they just get so yeah. focused on the dogs and they run, run right up. I mean, like yeah, 10, that's the, 10 that's 15, like 20 yards and they're the just ripping off howling. Just and... gets... <laughs> they just don't care. Yeah. They just get in such a, so worked up. It's like they get in a trance. As long as you say sitting down and don't move too fast, they just tolerate you, I guess. Uh, you know, there's, but sometimes you're just sitting out there on the bare ground and there's no, it's not like you're hidden from them at all. They know that you're there playing as day, but, but they're just so pissed at the dogs that they let it slide and, and hang out there. It's the only time you really get to sit there and watch a coyote trot back and forth at 20 yards, barking and snarling and posturing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the, that's the cool part for me, for sure. <laughs> for me, it just blows my mind because you know, just being a, a caller, like how many times <laughs> right. has a coyote at 150 yards peeked its head around the sagebrush and just saw you for half a second, turn around, ran off, and you're like, what the hell? And then you, you, you yeah. see the decoy dog and these coyotes are dog like running right in front. The coyotes are sniffing you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've had them within touching distance quite a bit, and it's just, uh, again, because I'm, I'm with you. Like, I have seen that, too. It just never gets old to, to wonder what is going through that coyote's head right now that is just standing here barking at me because i'll have the same places that i do in the winter time where you know the coyotes are peeking and dipping and go back and it might be that same coyote gets so pissed at the dogs that he forgets about you and uh is just sitting there in your lap it's cool you ever uh you ever get any wild ideas in that time of year since the coyotes are so close to like try to kill them with anything <laughs> different like bow and arrows crossbows yeah, like pistols, bow shotguns, that kind of stuff gun. Yeah, uh, we've done some pistols. The hard thing with the blow dart gun or arrow is if the arrow doesn't pass through the coyote and it starts running off, the dogs oh, immediately yeah, yeah. just yep. pile on it. Uh, so we kind of got to be careful there. Um, my next goal is to, I have a friend who breeds, you know, those, those staghound type dogs uh, that Rick was talking about in an earlier podcast. He crosses those yeah. with some other dogs and um I can have a dog that I can have next to me. And once the coyotes are right there close, uh, I can release that dog. And he's actually fast enough to zip out oh, there and, catch and catch him. Seems like um, a hybrid so of, uh, of running greyhounds versus yeah, decoy exactly. dogging. Exactly. So that's, I mean, that's, I've put some thought into that. Like what's the next, like, what's the, 
uh, next challenge, right? Because it's shooting them is almost, you yeah, know, when they're, at 30, yard, when they're at 30 yards barking at you, you know, sometimes you almost feel <laughs> not right, just hot <laughs> waxing it right there after you just stood there for 30 minutes. But with uh, uh, a dog, uh, you know, no gun at all to me, that would be really cool. Um, and then my my buddy has a blow dart gun that he's really good with. He's been wanting to try it. But again, with the dogs, it's dangerous. And then the rest of the year, a coyote's never going to tolerate a blow gun yeah. <laughs> situation. <laughs> and uh, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> now you've actually incorporated too, you know your thermal hunting at night with your decoy dogging as well which i i find interesting you know and a lot of people might think well how yeah how can you tell that when you got your dog and your coyote running around out there in the thermal how do you know which one's which and which one to shoot you know but I, yeah I found that you got good thermal uh if you got good thermal it's really easy to tell the difference my dogs have floppy ears and short tails and the coyotes are fluffy with prick ears and long tails um and again it's i'm never like if the dogs are out there running around, I'm never in a rush to shoot. You know, I'm always willing to triple check and look around, make sure the dogs are out there to shoot a coyote. Um, you know, it is, especially in the summertime when it's hundred degrees, uh, it's, you, you can't get a lot out of the dogs in hundred degrees besides uh, some early morning stuff or a couple stands in the middle of the day. Um, the coyotes, interestingly enough, will still react and call good in 100 degrees. Um, they also get tired out a lot faster. So if I go and and hunt in the middle of the night when it's cooled off, the coyotes are really active and the dogs can hunt all night long uh, versus just a couple stands. Um, you know, again, having dogs that go for the sound of the coyotes really good uh, helps a lot because you know dogs can't see very much but if they are going to the coyotes and the coyotes are coming in they usually can always meet up and you still get the same action you get during the daytime that's interesting that's like anything i mean that's probably a big bonus just thermal hunting in general is is the amount of time it opens up for for guys to be able to hunt as opposed to being stuck oh, you know just sure. day hunting especially in the summer months yeah. you know i mean who wants to be out there with the bow you know i mean when it's a hundred, like you said, you yes. know, you can go out there when it drops down in the sixties or seventies at night, you know, and, and still get out and, yep. and do it. Yeah. It's a, a summer night is a pretty nice time of the day to be hunting, walking around the middle of the night in your t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little bit too easy. Sometimes it's so comfortable, <laughs> you know, at least in the wintertime, you're freezing your balls off and you're earning it. Yeah. In yeah. the summertime, it's just comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you do a lot of thermal hunting. Um, I've just kind of got into it the last couple of years. I don't do it hard. I mean, if I go a couple nights in the winter, I'm, I'm lucky. You know, but I have, definitely, I have definitely seen the light, you know, when it comes to just to killing, killing more coyotes, being more efficient at killing coyotes. I mean, hands down, thermal is the way to go. And I, I think it's definitely changing the game. Would you, would you agree? Totally. It's, yeah, even like I, I got into it a little while ago and it seems like in the last maybe five years it's really taken off to where you know some guys had it here and there and now it's like huge i was going to ask you earlier rick commented at all if guys in his area uh are picked up on it and doing it a lot more because it seems like a lot of people that you know weren't necessarily coyote hunters before uh got into coyote hunting through thermal um it does kind of take the learning curve down a little bit so that you know uh someone who's just getting started can see success right away um even just being able to get out there and see coyotes and you know it's it's like yellowstone out there sometimes on a calm night you're seeing deer and here in idaho we'll see elk and the mountain lion and all sorts of coyotes and owls catching rabbits you know it's just cool to see all the stuff going on out there um so it's no surprise that guys love it so much seems like it's gotten maybe a little more affordable and uh it just seems like everyone's kind of getting into it yeah it you know? that's the way it is in, you know kansas just opened up thermal hunting last year and I, th I think there'll probably be a lot of states will probably start following suit you know and rick said yeah, yeah i mean a lot of his buddies Idaho, idaho's always been uh on coyotes you know no holds barred really even on public land uh and but a lot of other states even the states that surround me uh don't allow hunting at night on public ground just private with written permission type of deal uh, and then some states don't allow it at all not not even on private 
um, but lucky to live where I do and got to spend these last couple of years really going hard while all these other states are just now allowing guys to do it. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, with thermals, you, you, you know, you have a, a Trigicon. Um, mm-hmm. I think you have the, do you have the Mark II 35, 35 millimeter Mark II? The, Mar- the MK3 35. Okay, you have 35. That's the same yeah. one I have. I think I actually, before yep. I bought mine, I talked to you about it and that's yep. kind of what I went with. But, you know, yep. w- and you've been around some other ones. I mean, is it worth, if, you, if somebody asks you, is it worth spending that six or 7,000 versus a three or $4,000 one? I mean, to me, in my I opinion, it's worth, you get what you pay for with the thermal. But, yeah, you get what you pay for it. Just you have to decide like how much do you actually hunt to to utilize it. Like any thermal is better than no thermal, but crappy thermal compared to a top of the line thermal is a huge difference in all in all areas. Um, it seems like every year they're coming out with this better and better mid range stuff. It seems like the mid range stuff is even more user friendly th- uh, for people starting out than like the Trigicons because our Trigicons don't have a range finder. They have like a range finding feature, but honestly, I it's 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 janky. I don't yeah, even yeah. mess with it. Uh, whereas like your your full moon optics and these pulsars and eye rays, they have this range finder that is just a, this is a game massive, changer for massive game changer at night. Anybody that's never ran thermal like ranging, judging distance <laughs> is like the most weirdest yeah. thing at night with that thermal man. Like the biggest consensus that people start now have is how do you tell how far something is? Like, <laughs> you know, you have it's just darkness out there. You have nothing to judge against. No, no depth perception. You know, well, without, the, here's the craziest thing about this range finding stuff is you might have a rabbit hiding out there at 50, 60 yards, and it's fl- <laughs> and you're looking at it and you like, man, that's a coyote. Jack out there. Like two, come to- that's like a coyote at two or three hundred yards, and you sit yeah. there and waste Jack like five minutes. Come to the rabbit distress. There's times where we've been calling in a couple of jackrabbits, like, oh, pack coyotes right here, right here. Get ready, get ready. And they're <laughs> jackrabbits at a hundred yards instead of coyotes at three hundred yards. And yeah, being able to have that range finder is uh, a game changer. I still don't have one, but like we were talking about the the new end vision, I'm really uh looking at because seeing these videos of just this instant range finding because i'm always guessing but that's a, a really important feature for for guys to have so i feel like you know you get what you get what you pay for but you can get pretty good stuff for mid-range the thermal is just expensive i mean it's thousands of dollars and you know that's a that's a lot of money uh especially nowadays so you know you I almost would tell people that instead of buying a, a low range thermal, get a really good spotlight because uh, calling coyotes with lights is, is really fun. You know, it's almost a little more like day hunting. So you can actually see the coyote and uh, the coyote can see the light. Like you, I, I personally, I get a bigger, I get more excitement calling coyotes with the spotlight than I do with a thermal uh, because, you know, you're just a little more, <laughs> you know you know what i mean the, oh, yeah, the coyote yeah. can't see you then the coyote can't see you but you can get a little bit and seeing his eyes and, and seeing that coyote illuminated in the spotlight that's a lot of fun that's kind of how i started hunting coyotes at night and honestly you'll get so much better hunting coyotes at night with a, a spotlight in a short amount of time than you will with a, a thermal uh, but by the time you save up for a thermal uh, you go from a spotlight and you get decent with a spotlight, you get a thermal in your hand will be slaying and uh, learn, a, learn a lot about hunting at night uh, with that light. I always think they make about, some good spotlights too. You can see them long ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Te- it's just te- technology all the way around, man. It's, uh, it's just from e calls to thermal scopes to the rifles we're shooting. I mean, yeah. you name it, man. I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> I, always, I always get a kick. I always think about, Crazy. you know, if you just look at the history of, of man versus coyote, you know, and all the billions of dollars, you know, man has spent to try well, to kill out, coyotes over the west. years and eradicate coyotes. And now you look at the, yeah. the modern day hunter, <laughs> we're still spending thousands and thousands deer, of dollars yeah, to try to kill hunters, coyotes. The deer hunters, the duck hunters, like we got these crazy gadgets, you know, our capabilities are, uh, <laughs> you know, higher than they've ever, we've ever thought they could be. Uh, and the coyote is still out there surviving those poor coyotes we just keep <laughs> we just keep evolving and waging war and the coyotes are evolving too it's it's funny <laughs> you know you you know and on the same topic you and i talked about this in in rusty when we were filming in october about how how is thermal hunting 
going to change the game of coyote hunting down the road. I mean, there's got to be some give, you know, I know a lot of guys that thermal hunt, thermal hunt throughout the summer, you know, in, in tradition back in the day, you know, most coyote hunters hunted during the fall and winter months when coyotes worth money, you know, now if you you're seeing, hunting out in the summertime, you're the only guy out there. Like you're yeah, out there, in the you know, because it was like, you know, there's no sense in killing them. Yeah, exactly. And now everyone's out there because now guys, they used to be, one part of it is they used to be worth money for fur and even a coyote hunter knew that he could selling them whole or, or skinning them everyone kind of was incentivized to conserve the coyote population a little bit until the fur got good and now that they aren't worth anything no one when they were worth something like you know the trappers kind of convince everybody like hey don't don't get in on the coyotes yeah let's save them until it's go time but now they're not worth anything now you know everyone is pounding them year round when you got and, states like Utah that have a $50 statewide bounty year round. Yeah, exactly. They've had, they've had that it's now been, for what, five, six years. Yeah. And I mean, you can go talk to guys in Utah and that gives you a good consensus on, you know, what it kind of turns out to be. Utah's no holds barred on the thermal. And uh, I know it seemed like guys in, in Utah got all got thermal uh, first because they, you know, with the $50 bounty, they're incentivized. They could, you know, yeah exactly and uh you know now guys are they're just it's so much it's so cool and so much fun that they're even if they aren't incentivized they're willing to spend the money and go deep into the hobby uh and and get thermal just for the fun of it um i think it's definitely going to change it already has uh i don't know if i chalk it up to to thermal yet we had a bad drought out here this year and in last well the last two years um coyote population has been down compared to what it was six seven even even four and five years ago um so i think it's a combination of a lot of things but when you got you you can see it on social media is really the telltale sign because everyone you know shares what the hunting they're doing and you can just see the amount of people that are coyote hunting and the amount of people have got thermal is just risen times four maybe uh if not more and they're all shooting coyotes here and there and that affects the population so the ones that survive are going to be even smarter uh and there's definitely not going to be quite as many unless we get a really good year for the coyotes and they breed like rabbits yeah but uh, i I tell people bottom line is no matter how good we get at killing coyotes how much thermal hunting we do how much thermal hunting we don't do we get one crop of coyotes a year Mm-hmm, you know exactly. and, and obviously that varies from from region to region and and i know if you can go over here and kill off a bunch of coyotes maybe over here 10 miles there may be a whole pile of coyotes and some of those coyotes will move over and fill in and vice versa but bottom line yep. we only get x amount of coyotes a year and mm-hmm. if if we continue to see more and more guys out hunting in the summer which i'm gonna say i'm not against if, if you got a chance and i see totally yeah, right why night hunting is you, you, you know it gives you more you options say- to shoot yeah, you can say you're you can you can honestly say the effects while saying, you know, it's a free country and there's millions of coyotes. Everyone should be able to hunt coyotes whenever, wherever. So it's not like we're bagging on it, but we can honestly say that yeah, it's going to have a huge effect if everyone's out there in July smashing the pups off the hay circles. Well, those pups don't even get a chance to, you know, grow up and move into the sagebrush and be your fall crop of coyotes to call at in the the winter time. Yeah. yeah. Um and so, you know, for me, in certain in an area that I think I'm the only person uh, really messing with the coyotes, I you know might might try to refrain from smashing them early. Uh, <laughs> when, because again, with thermal in the summertime, you can slaughter the coyotes. Um, but there's a lot of guys out there doing it, and uh, in they're having a great time, uh, and that's awesome. But it certainly has got to have an effect on everything a little bit long term. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say it again, because I'm sure I'm going to get some comments about people saying, oh, Jeff's hating on the, and I'm not, I, I would never hunt anybody that hunts to me is off. I don't care what you're hunting, what you're hunting with bazookas, yeah, 50 cows, sure. bows. It doesn't matter, dude. I think we we're all on the same team. Um, I just always think exactly. about but the long term effects of how, how can I change my game as a coyote hunter and how, what am I going to need to do to evolve knowing mm-hmm. that you know this is going on around me and even i'm part of it you know who knows i'm shooting coyotes at night well, you, like that but yeah but you always uh, just think about that like, some people hunt a little bit all year round and there's a guy like you who does landscaping all summer 
and only gets to hunt in the in the fall time um you know it's interesting that everyone has a different perspective and is is hunting coyotes a little bit differently and a little bit less or a little bit more than everybody um how much, but i yeah, want to ask you this i want to ask you that. i always think about this too how much do you think social media is affecting this if guys didn't have a platform to post pictures of how successful they've been do you think guys would still go out and hunt as much in those off times or not or do you think they would uh i don't think i don't i think social media keeps everyone like super motivated to, <laughs> to go i, I know, feel keep the same up, way right? yeah keep i feel up. the same way like and, i gotta uh, go out and kill a few coyotes and show that i can do it you know yeah it's, it's kind of to funny to to watch a little bit entertaining um but i mean we can i can say that because uh you know when i first got thermal even just like the the first thermal i got was a fleer and it had a recording feature and when i figured out i had the recording feature man i was recording every single coyote that i shot rewatching the video like when we got home you know you shoot six coyotes and we'd sit down and watch all six videos and yeah. it was super cool posting them and then after a while you're like all right like they're all all these thermal videos are kind of the same yeah they look the same uh, yeah after a while what am i thinking and but everyone has and and should have because it is really cool at first kind of has that that moment of excitement and everyone is you know sharing these thermal videos and you know some of these guys are getting uh well everyone has a chance to get some sweet footage every or have a sweet stand every stand and people see that and they're motivated to not only just get a thermal but use their thermal and uh and you know communicate with everybody get better at, at hunting with the thermal see what everyone's using and how everyone's hunting um the coyotes certainly have a, a new challenge to overcome lately <laughs> well it's cool you know i mean for, for hunting in general i think it's great because like you mentioned you got guys now that maybe weren't into hunting but they but they're they're this younger generation of guys that is technologically well, based and they see this and they're like wow that's really cool i would hunt if i could yeah. use that kind of cool technology you know mm -hmm. and i'm always trying to think on the bright side think of it like this you know coyote fur recently has become worthless so we don't have trappers uh in in fur guys advocating for the open season on coyotes or you know relaxed regulations uh, or coyote hunting opportunity we see in places like california where the bears and the lions and the bobcats funny enough it's the predators that get protected before the prey before the deer the elk and the other yep. game gets protected and, and they shut the hunting down so now we have all these guys who love to coyote hunt we we have way more coyote hunters than you know there was when you first started out but if everyone can be respectful and stay friends and remember we're on the same team we can advocate for ourselves because there was going to come a day before long where they start trying to you know implement a coyote season and then shut down the coyote hunting and having a bunch of guys that uh are advocating for coyote hunters is nothing but a good thing yeah great point man i mean that's excellent i think yeah i, I, I just feel the same way we need we need guys yeah, we so need I mean, guys that are hunting i don't care what you're hunting if if thermal hunting and, and i the great thing about thermal hunting is you know if you're a daytime hunter and you work a normal job you're limited to a saturday or sunday you know on your day off and then you got the wife and the family and yeah, yeah, life and just hours. stuff and you might but you know thermal hunting you know heck I could run out from six o'clock till 11 o'clock any night oh, of the week, you know? Yeah. First Come rolling back into the house, day. sleep and go to work the next yeah. day. It's hard to take off. Like for most people, like taking a whole Saturday, like that's you get two days a week again and to go out and have a chance to coyote or two. Most guys got to dedicate the whole day to go hunting. They got to drive a long ways and, you know, if wife's at, at home saying the kids are causing a ruckus, but once on Saturday night, the kids go to bed, wife goes to sleep and you get to go out and hunt a little bit. I have a lot of buddies that that kind of seems like, their rhythm and and how they can get in on it and that's awesome because yeah. again it's more opportunity for everybody and uh it's, it's fun to you see like on social media again like you see people in your area or uh even on the other day i saw a guy talking about hunting this spot that i hunt and uh you know i figure everybody hunts where i hunt and i all the time talk to other coyote hunters especially all the public land we got right everyone can hunt everywhere oh yeah, yeah. Um, you see another guy hunting your spot and you're like oh dang it <laughs> like screw that screw that guy but you have to be an adult and think oh at least he's, there's another coyote hunters out there doing the same thing i am uh that's that's what we need so uh, uh there's a it's fun to, to talk crap but there's a lot of pros <laughs> to it as well <laughs> It is. I, I'm curious to see where it goes, man. I, I love it. I, I, you know, if I didn't do so much day hunting, 
and I, and I say I like to day hunt more, but maybe that's just me being kind of old, grumpy, old guy, you know. That's, <laughs> I don't think you know. But I'll tell you what, I had a hell of a lot of fun when Rick and I were filming this last week, shooting them at night. I mean, it was yeah. action packed. I mean, almost every like every other stand we were seeing coyotes. Which in January, mm -hmm. if you went out in the daytime right now and hunted, hell, you might only call on a coyote one out of every five or six or yep. eight stands. Who knows, you know? But it's uh, good to do both, because and it's good to to keep it to a, a good medium because you can. I mean you can kind of burn yourself out on thermal hunting. If you go, like you said, you just get so tight, you stay up all night. You're pretty beat. You do that for a string of nights and you're pretty worn out. Um, but, uh, if you're having some slow day hunts, you can always spice it up with uh, oh, yeah. a night hunt to get the average boosted a little bit. Add to the kill count a little quicker, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I need to, I was thinking about this one last thing I want to ask you about. So I, I always talk about this 1% club and it's like the daytime hunting. If you kill 10 coyotes in the daytime hunt, I've always considered that, that you put you in like the 1% of all coyote hunters. Cause it's something that just doesn't happen very often. Not very many guys yeah. have got to experience that. What would be a number yeah. to put you in the 1% club of a night hunt an all night hunt? What are we looking at? Like 15, maybe uh, is it, is it that much more best, productive at night? My, my record, uh, solo is 24 in one night and i've had a couple like 18 20 i think a 21 uh by myself so i would say 20 somewhere in 2025 by yourself in a night uh out of all the thermal hunters out there i think that that would be the, Dang, the one high. that's high i know but it's so but i haven't even hit the one percent club at night then uh if yeah but you've only night hunted like 20 times <laughs> no more than that like <laughs> 10 maybe <laughs> if you go if you start hunting i mean in the middle of december when the hunting is good or i mean i'd say november when it's uh still warm you can get around really good because you got to make like you know 25 stands and i would say okay i take that back uh not by yourself you and your you and your partner because a lot of times it's most guys are hunting with a partner at night it's kind of hard to cover everything and do everything through your little screen to look through by yourself. So like two or three guys hunting together uh, and shooting 20 or 25 coyotes, that would be the 1% club. So gonna I guess that would be We're going to go with 18 because I, I don't know if I can get 20. So we're going to go 18. That'll give me something to shoot for so I can join the Yeah, but if you're out club. there hunting by yourself and you get 10, 12 coyotes in a night, uh, you know, that's pretty Still good. So maybe the, yeah. maybe the 15 the – 15, the 15 coyotes by yourself at night that's the that's the one percent club <laughs> so we'll the say like one one day coyote is worth a half of a night coyote is that what we're saying basically yeah, I'd one say daytime about, coyote is worth a half a night coyote close. about close yeah one, a, a, a night coyote is like 60 percent of a night of a, <laughs> of a day coyote for sure <laughs> well hell you can stand up on the top on the highest hill on a dark night overlooking the valley and just have the best just your shooting position advantage i think is one of the biggest things uh at night being able to really take set yourself up for a shot have a good heads up like you're not very often uh are you just caught by surprise at night if you're setting yourself up well and you have a good thermal that can can cover the whole area around you um i feel like that's where the advantage really lies yeah well and one th the last thing i want to talk and then we're going to end this one but equipment base is is way knowing your equipment is way more important at night and being familiar with it to me mm -hmm. than the daytime you know i mean you got some old boy that's been calling cows for 50 years got his trusty 220 swift with a crappy scope on it and he'll, his old shooting sticks made out of dowels you know and he'll yeah. slay coyotes but mm -hmm. you know at night man you gotta boy it's you gotta know your equipment you, you gotta know where like it's shooting clothes, you can't turn on your headlamp and like mess with your stuff like you gotta know you know how to take your scope on and off how to clear a, a, a your gun how to you know do little stuff without being able to to see so knowing your stuff is a, a big thing um oh, i yeah. take my scope on and off you've seen me do that yeah and, with that mount you know, yeah scan, scan with it and put it back on and take it back off yeah you guys are good with that uh, just being able to run your stuff smoothly really really helps you out definitely a little bit different skill set from the from the day a lot of stuff kind of correlates back and forth but it has its own little skill set yeah. that's uh that's you gotta for get sure. good at at night can, for sure yeah you can see the coyotes easier but getting them killed can be a little more challenging especially like at night if a coyote comes ripping in real close 
uh, and get to within 50 yards, it can be it's hard, uh, challenging. Yeah. You can't see it with your eyes. You got to keep it in your scope. It can, it can be tough. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, bud, it's been fun, man. Um, if, if anybody wants some more information on some decoy dogging, what, what you probably Instagram is probably where you post most of your stuff, right? Yeah. Just message me on Instagram. Yeah, and that's Instagram. what Seth Simpson 208. Seth Simpson 208. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, do you have a website Check or anything on, uh, for your, you uh, any more your dog kennel, your, your dog training and all that kind um, of stuff? I don't, I'm actually coming out with a website for this decoy dogging stuff, kind of with my dogs and, uh, just some information. Cause there's not a whole lot of information out there. There's a lot, there's starting to be a lot more videos, but there isn't a lot of informative, uh, material for the how to, or the dog questions. So I'm going to come out with something like that and hopefully give people a little more information on the the nitty gritty of it but uh yeah for now i love talking about it so if you got any questions look me up and, and message me Seth simpson 208 on instagram sounds good yes, buddy. cool well, well man thanks, to you. yeah thanks again i want to want to thank lucky duck predator calls for sponsoring this uh, hunt as well as the other sponsors of the show six hour optics and swagger bipods and then of course eastman's for putting this whole thing together to you guys you know these uh, sponsors are important I wish we could do it without them, but, uh, you know, this takes time and money to put this stuff together and, and broadcast it to you guys. So uh, hopefully you found a, some good information from this episode. You know, thanks to Seth for putting out all this information for you guys in regards to decoy dog and thermal hunting and, and catching badgers. So I um, mm-hmm. want to thank him. But uh, anyway, appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks. <laughs>